there's such huge potential in in lifelong learning and learning in general to really not only sort of help people to learn that's almost the most irrelevant part it's like to provide um, social structures and support systems for people particularly in this century you know I think um, it feels fairly safe to assume that there are challenging times ahead and lots of change at the very least um, that's going to affect people in lots of ways and so um, yeah I feel like learning is is investing in learning is the way to invest in supporting people through the individual changes they're going to have to make that will ladder up to you know the bigger collective changes that we either want to make or that are sort of happening and we have to adapt to. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, your host, Dan Burgess. Uh, This is episode 28, where I'm in conversation with Zara Davidson, co-founder of lifelong learning venture, Enroll Yourself. So what is this podcast all about? Well, we're living on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? But like a spaceship, we have a finite amount of supplies and an intelligent operating system which keeps everything replenished as long as we all respect it and use it wisely. So an understanding of how this system works along with deep cooperation between humans and all life is essential to keep us and the spaceship flying. Someone awesome once said, there are no passengers on Spaceship Earth, we are all crew. So in this podcast, I'm riffing with humans involved in restoring and regenerating, raising awareness and shifting consciousness, reimagining how we might live more beautifully through creativity, care, ideas, collaborations, community, new forms of business and much more. I talk to artists, photographers, entrepreneurs, activists, writers, designers, strategists, adventurers, healers, creative mavericks and many more. I believe their stories can inspire all of us to become more planetary, to fully participate as crew on the Spaceship Earth. So a new year is upon us. Are you starting the year with any big questions? Curiosity for new adventures or just feeling the need for some personal growth and and journeying? Are you scrolling courses online looking for that elusive new qualification or contemplating a career change or some new skills? Or or frankly, are you just asking yourself what to point your energy at in the world at this moment in time? Well, in this episode, I'm chatting about lifelong learning and the power of peer group support with Zara Davison, who co-founded Enroll Yourself who develop six-month learning marathons, as they call them, for people who are curious about something in the world, who have a question they're wanting to explore. And what makes Enroll Yourself so interesting is there are no teachers, uh, you write your own curriculum, and you are part of a peer group who all support each other on your own individual learning journeys. Okay, I'm gonna cut straight to it. This is the Spaceship Earth podcast, episode 28, with Zara Davison from Enroll Yourself. Zara, welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Um, Thank very, you. Yeah, very, very, very cool to have you here. I'm back. We're back on the old, uh, the old uh, internet conversation style, which I've been doing a few face-to-face chats recently. So I'm uh, been setting setting up my system again, but it's all working, um, as far as I can tell. Um, 
so yeah thanks for joining me on this it's funny it's, i was just thinking some context we it's friday it's friday the 13th of, <laughs> oh, of, of december and uh, and for us us folks in the uk you know we're probably some of us are waking up we've woken up today uh some of us probably still haven't woken up or have maybe just turned <laughs> the lights off um it's a kind of slightly strange day mm. after uh Yet another election, another general election, um, yeah. which I guess, I guess for some people went very well. Um, and yet for others, well, I don't want to get into that. But you know what? I thought the reason I thought I'd, um, it was funny I'd bring it up because, you know, obviously looking at what, you, you know, you're now doing with Enroll Yourself. But I was just, it was interesting because I remember just seeing a little frame on your site, which said, I think it said, um, amidst and amidst increasing uncertainty and inequality individual mm. individual and collective learning have never been more important um and it just kind of sort of seemed to sort of chime with the, with exactly where we are today um and so i'm really keen to get into you know the nuts and bolts of enroll yourself but i'd love to just i guess start a little bit with you know how was it born because it's quite interesting because i met you well i think when you were you were part of year here i think that's right yeah which was what maybe was it five six years ago was it even seven was it seven wow yeah Yeah. and you i i remember yeah well you always struck me as um someone with a bit of maverick to them back then and uh, i was always curious about where where you were going to where you were going to sort of journey because a year here also is I mean you, I think you were the first year was that right or so I I was um I didn't do the program but I was Jack's first that's employee. right yeah that's right that's right that's right so you, but you were you were effectively there right at the start right yeah that's right I was I was there at the beginning to sort of do um the brand and website and initial communications and stuff like that yeah yeah and and um and just just tell me about this a bit of context, I guess, before we get into enrol yourself. It'd be really cool just to get a little bit of a sense of what your journey has been into now, um, and then we can really get into kind of like you know where enrol yourself came from. But you almost just like how how was enrol yourself like what what birthed it? What was the journey that you went on for yeah. this thing? And what I guess because there's also we'll, I mean as we'll get in, but enrol yourself is very much based on at least my understanding of it of what are the what are the big questions we're asking ourselves right so um what just tell me give me a little bit give me give us a little bit of of context for 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 those listening on 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 how how we got to where we got to sure sure so yeah so it uh it it begun to be born um in 2016 so actually that is um several years now um that i've been working on enroll yourself and um it really started quite slowly, actually, and it started through conversations with a really good friend of mine, um, Roxana, who I knew from working together as as service designers. Um, and we were both working in sort of in separate jobs. And mm-hmm. at the time, I had been feeling a little bit frustrated in work, I suppose, yeah. and feeling like I could be stretching myself more. Um, and for Roxana, she was wanting to make a career change. Yeah. Um, and she was wanting to leave behind design and um, make quite a sort of radical shift in her career. At that point, she wanted to go into sort of therapeutic 
um, practices, movement-based artistic practices and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both of us had been having a common experience, which was that we were window shopping around for stuff that might fix what we were feeling. Right. Um, but neither of us had a big budget. So I'd been looking at all kinds of different master's courses, thinking maybe this will satisfy this feeling I have. I want to stretch myself a bit more or go in a different direction um, or follow a curiosity. Um, And actually, I couldn't afford to stop working and and study full time. Um, So there was was this, uh, you were definitely feeling there was a pull for more learning. That was the... Yeah, it was absolutely about following curiosity for right. me because I was it wasn't yes, I was doing work that was that was interesting, but I also had sort of questions of my own really. Mm. Um that I didn't necessarily feel like work at that time was an outlet for. Um so for example, you know, I'd I'd been so you mentioned year here and um I'd I'd been doing a number of projects where I was working as a designer, but in a setting which was all about learning and education. Um, And I was really, really interested in that very specific niche area where those two things intersect. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I really wanted to sort of follow that curiosity. Uh, And that was another reason why when I was looking around at different courses, I couldn't find anything that met my quite niche and specific needs that I felt like at the time um and so then yeah between the two of us having conversations about um what we wanted what we couldn't find we did a lot of sort of moaning essentially yeah Um, (laughs) and eventually we began to feel like okay, you know, we have this design background. In theory, we should be the kind of people who um, design a solution to what we are feeling rather than just yeah. um, talk about it. But Gary Hamill um, used to have this quote, uh, which was like cultivating your dissatisfaction or something like that. And uh, <laughs> is that, that, sort of, that sort of vibe, right? Kind of... Yeah. 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 I've never thought about it that way, but yeah, it was really... Um, it was really like that because actually I think we became more dissatisfied through talking to one another about it if that mm, makes sense yeah, yeah. um airing it more I became even even more sort of hungry to find something or or make something that didn't exist yet um and so from there we started to think about what it was that we wanted and we we thought about it in terms of what we wanted to extract from formal education um offerings that we didn't feel fit our needs but there was aspects of that that we really wanted and those were a dynamic group of people sort of that cohort feeling people Mm -hmm. with different experiences and backgrounds and perspectives um who could support us and inspire us to do what we wanted to do yeah um and then the other aspect that we were craving at that time was structure and um, really some discipline to be able to move towards our respective goals a bit more effectively. Because um, I think, particularly if you live somewhere like London, but it's obviously not unique to London at all, there are so many one-off events and you know fantastic things that you can do for free even all day, every day, almost. Mm. Um, but does that sort of amount to a really meaningful ongoing inquiry that might 
change your life or what you're capable of. Um, and what we were feeling was that the answer to that was probably no in most cases. Um, and that the consistency of this group of people working together over a longer period of time um, was sort of at the essence of, of what we were looking for. And we wanted that without having to pay for accreditation and a campus and lots of tutors and, you know, lots of things that we at that point didn't um, think that we needed. Yeah. Did you know at that point, because obviously, when, you know, we you can give us a, a um, give the listeners in, a, in a, when, when we get a, a little bit further, a sense of like, you know, the, what is the enrol yourself I guess offer today but there's always that the, for me also that was interesting about this journey interview is that when because you don't have like there's no tutors there's no sort of expert inverted commas right who sort of holds the in the sort of traditional kind of learning sense yeah. you always think oh you know I need to do a course where there's a you know and there's an expert in this content or subject and who who's going to share their expertise and their knowledge and stuff and of course that doesn't exist in your model right but did you how did you sort of, did you always sense that this thing could work without that, you know, it could work with the group versus the sort of, you know, the expert at the front of the room kind of idea? What, what brought yeah. that around? Yeah, we did, we did sense that and we were really intrigued by, by that idea. Um, and I think that was partly to do with my interests at the time being very, um, being very niche and I, I didn't I didn't feel like there were many experts um, that I could go to. Um, so having other people around me in a peer group was much more about inspiration and accountability and momentum than it was expertise. Um, and similarly um, for Roxana, I think she felt like she needed to gain experience and that she would need to connect with others that had perhaps more experienced than her, but that ultimately she had to sort of lead that journey for herself. Um, and so, yeah, we were really interested in sort of self-direction um, and and what it could mean actually to kind of, to put, you know, ourselves as experts at the heart of the learning experience instead. Yeah, I mean, that's quite, it's quite, um, I mean, you know, I guess, yeah, it's still that still feels really quite bold. Not bold, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it does feel and it's very different still. It doesn't it still feels like a very you know, this, you know, I guess for folks thinking about like, you know, how do I where do I go to sort of continue my learning journey and and we'll get into I guess the sorts of folks that are actually starting to come on on these journeys with you. But it does it it's it's quite I think I don't know, it just seems to me like um sort of knowing that it's, it's quite an unusual um ability to sort of sense that you did you know you weren't you, it was more this kind of support system and process and ju the journey itself versus the sort of you know looking for kind of um expert knowledge and experience um do you still find that is something that's you know you're working with that people are kind of you know is it is it i, I don't know do you know what i'm saying it's a kind of sort of um for me, anyway, it feels like so fresh as a sort of way of thinking about this stuff. Um, it, it it still feels like it's um, that that folks, you know, to to step into that kind of space of not of of being comfortable without, you know, the the expert feels like it feels like such a fresh space to be. Yeah, yeah, and people do sometimes find that to be a challenging aspect of enrol yourself, not only to understand but also to sort of come to terms with in practice as well. Uh, I think the thing I'd say about it is that for us, it was born out of necessity 
initially. So Rox and I were thinking about how we could achieve a really sort of powerful learning experience um, without any budget, essentially. Mm. Um, But actually through then running a pilot and putting that into practice, um, we began to see just how many unique um, benefits there are attached to working in that way. And that gave us conviction to continue to do it. Yeah. Um, So when you did that, when you put the first pilot together and you're putting this out, I guess, to get a first group to come on this, come on this journey, how much did you sort of, how much was fixed at that point in terms of like, what were, what was the kind of offer at that moment when you were going out and asking folks to get involved? Yeah, so we we made this we made this web page and and when we put it out there at first we had two options. So at that stage we were saying we think this could be a 6 month thing or we think it could be a year long and we asked people to um sign up and and sort of express their interest in in either of those options and overwhelmingly um un- really unsurprisingly people um were much more up for six months than they were for a full year i think that was quite um an audacious thing to try and do from yeah. thing. um but but yeah at that stage we kind of we we had an overarching sort of structure that we had in mind and we we knew we wanted to base the whole thing around um one meetup where the group would come together um everyone together every two weeks um and that's that's a spine that um we still use now um but i mean largely we were really making it up as we went along as well um but also involving the first group in doing so we had several sessions um with the first group where we sort of talked about what was working and what wasn't and what we could do differently um so it was sort of fundamentally really molded by um that first group continues to be molded by all the groups that participate but um disproportionately by that first group of people who got involved so 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 talk um talk us through and for the listeners like you know enroll yourself as a as a as an, an offer as an idea what's what what's the, what's the pitch i mean you call yourself you know there's your frame you use grow yourself together but tell us tell us tell us about tell us a bit more about like kind of what what it's all about Mm, yeah. Um, so we're all about reimagining lifelong learning th- through peer groups. Um, so these non-hierarchical um, peer groups are at the heart of everything we do. Um, and we support groups to work together for six months. And that six month journey is called the learning marathon. That's kind of our our key offer, if you like. Um, and a really big part of what we do is support um, who we call hosts who initiate these peer groups um, where they are in their local area or around a theme that they think is really important. Um, So a big part of what we do now is training the hosts who then host the participants through that six-month journey. Um, And that journey is really all about... um, 12 people usually, 10 to 12 people coming together, each bringing a learning question, which is a question that frames something that really matters to them at that moment in their life, whether it's a career change, um, whether it's an idea for a new venture or side project, whether it's um, a personal 
um, thing that they want to do, like overcome anxiety. Um, they come with this learning question that's sort of a burning question for them. And then over six months, their host helps them to trade and exchange ideas and experiences and networks and resources so that each person can make progress on their question um, and come out at the other end um, with a really meaningful output, a piece of work in response to their question, but also with a bunch of these new relationships to people that they, um, for the most part, probably would never have met and worked with otherwise. Um, and so in that sense, I think that's, we see that as a really big part of what we're doing is sort of, um, building community as well and, um, helping people to form new relationships. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the core. Um, and then we've also been working with organizations as well, um, particularly this year as well. So it's it's quite nuts, right? I mean, nuts in in a good way, but I'm just saying like you, cause you got, so you've effectively, um, I guess, again, I'm making big assumptions here, but I'm imagining, you know, you know, p- people go through their lives. Some people have been, you know, have had <clears throat> some, you know, forms of maybe higher education experiences, gone into work. And then I, and then there's this kind of something stirring, which is like this, you know, desire for or curiosity or whatever it might be. And, and and sometimes at the moment in, in the way that our system it, our, the sort of our sort of work life system, I guess that manifests itself in kind of like I need to go and do a course or I need to go and do, you know, I need to go and train myself up to do X or Y or to get deeper into this sort of specialist skill set or, you know, or but so are you having people who've got that kind of question as well or and or is it actually again folks that are going oh, there's something it's more about me and you know who I am and in the world and what I'm trying to do I don't know you know there's a sort of slight difference isn't there one sort of feels a bit more kind of you know I don't know just sort of almost not linear but you know what I mean sort of following the kind of path whereas this is to me says maybe there's this is maybe like like your story right when you just couldn't find Mm. this thing but can you tell us a bit about how people how are people showing up to enroll yourself like and give us a sense of that yeah I think um I think we tend to get a real mix within groups and now we really try to curate groups that way as well so that we have um questions on a spectrum if you like from um really really defined to less defined and more about following that curiosity as you describe so for example you know, we've had people come with a very specific, clear um, idea for a project or venture that they want to build the foundations for. Um, their question stays the same throughout the six months um, and they can work quite purposefully, usually from the beginning toward that goal, that sort of one end of the spectrum. And then at the other end, um, you know, we get people coming with questions about hope or um, can hope be designed or you know something that's much more amorphous mm. and is really about that person kind of finally making space to follow that curiosity um, and usually in those cases people change their question quite a lot as they go through the process as they learn more about it and actually I've come to see that change of a question as quite a good indicator that somebody 
is really immersed and is doing work on their question because that means that they know something now that they they didn't know before um so they're creating you know they're sort of yeah they're creating new knowledge for themselves and new learning and and it, and it so it is inquiry based sort of learning this whole yeah, experience yeah. isn't it it's kind of, yeah yeah we we follow a essentially a design thinking type process where the first two months of the six months are all about exploration and divergence so at that stage we're really encouraging people to um blow that question as wide as they possibly can and um bring in all kinds of diff different um inspirations and examples and do research and interview people whatever is appropriate for their particular question um and then the two months in the middle it's all about developing ideas so there's sort of um, drawing on all of that divergence, what's really exciting or promising or, or could be viable for them to develop, um, but keeping at that stage several options on the go alongside one another. Um, and then finally, the last two months we call showcase because we, we work towards a public showcase event um, at the end. And at that stage, it is about sort of... Um, convergence and refinement and bringing your work to a point where you can make it public and and share it with the world um so yeah sort of it it follows it follows a design type process and so for some people who come into the learning marathon that's really new for them and for others it's part of their daily work and they're really used to it um so there's always there's always sort of really varying levels of kind of comfort with different phases actually which is always interesting too yeah and so again so just to sort of cl clarify for 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 listeners who, who are sort of grasping this whole this whole idea effectively there's uh, there's no teachers uh you write you effectively write your own curriculum right it's um yeah. and the peer group are as much like if you you know you you go to do, you know you, when you enroll on enroll yourself you're you're you know you're going on your learning journey but you're effectively helping others on theirs as well right that's how it that's sort of the, how it operates yeah you are you are committing um to sort of providing value to the other people there um as well as trying to find some for yourself um and i think one one of the ways there are many but one of the ways that we we do that through the processes these fortnightly meetups, each member of the group will be responsible for hosting one of those meetups and running a workshop for everyone else. Um, nice. And we, at the beginning of the process, we get everyone to propose to everyone else. This is sort of three workshops I could run that could share some of my expertise, but also give me an opportunity to learn um, something to share with you. And then everyone else will vote on um, which one they'd like to see the most and that puts together this unique curriculum um, that changes every time we do one of these groups well I, 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 as, I was, as I was having a dig into this because obviously I've been, I've been sort of following your journey with this from a from afar but watching it as you've been and just super curious and I sort of dug into it a bit more obviously yesterday just just before we've chatted and it's just like I was thinking like Oh, can I do one of these? And then I'm thinking, <laughs> and then I've actually looked at that. And then the hosting thing is really interesting as well. T tell us more about that as well, because that's a that's sort of how it's kind of how you're sort of it's it's sort of kind of it's it's a kind of quite a living system. This idea, isn't it? Enroll yourself. It's sort of 
Mm. It's kind of emerging in a way. This host model is is quite is 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 quite fascinating. Can you just explore? Just explain how yeah. how that all works and why you've gone down that route. Sure. So the idea with um, the host for the peer group is that they are someone who has been trained in our approach and who knows the learning marathon process. Uh, really well in comparison to the participants who are coming um, quite fresh to it Um, but the idea is also that they certainly aren't the teacher that they're 100% not the expert because how could they be expert in all of these different learning questions Um, and it's very much inspired by the idea of coaching as well Um, so when we train hosts they're also trained um, in some coaching skills so that they can offer that kind of approach to the group which essentially means that they are there to ask questions and and help and be of service to people without um, ever needing to sort of give permission to anyone or or validate how well they're doing that's for people to really take ownership of themselves Um, and so that that's kind of the role of the host within the group. And they're also a peer. So uh, they also have a learning question too. And they explore that alongside the group. And that's with a bid to make everything as equal as possible, actually, and not to have that real separation of roles as much as we can. Um, and yeah, in terms of then... Was, how- that, was that always intentional? Did you, again, did you sort of discover that on the journey that having, you know, the host also having a question because I guess it because it, it, it strikes me as like when if you were sort of thinking about doing this that facilitator host whatever you call it it almost feels like you would they would have this independence but actually this idea that they're also inquiring their own question that feels really interesting as a dynamic does that yeah. was that intentional or is that something you just you've tried so again and... it, it it sort of happened accidentally at the beginning because um Rox and I were playing that role together in in the pilot but of course the only reason why we wanted to run the pilot was so we could participate ourselves um we weren't doing it to sort of start a business or anything like that and um so we ended up playing that dual role with the first group um and I think again through doing that I could really see the value in it. And we talked about it a lot as as um, an initial group um, and how sort of levelling it is really. Um, and and going back to, to sort of an earlier point as well, like I think one of the really unique things about a truly peer-to-peer space is how safe it can feel for experimentation and risk in comparison to spaces where you do have an expert or a teacher or a boss or whatever it might be. Mm. Um and so it can be a tricky role to play and it can be a tension for the person who plays the role of host because they are trying to juggle those two modes. Um, but we've talked about it now a lot as a community of Enroll Yourself hosts who are running these processes. And I think what we feel you know, all things taken into consideration is that it's worth working through the tension for the value that it brings um, to the group and to the space. Um, I think as well, like most Enroll Yourself hosts also work as facilitators and most of the facilitation work they would usually do, they would just be playing 
the facilitator role rather than both of those roles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it also just provides this interesting new and slightly weird challenge to get your teeth into as well. And has the have has the hosting uh, the, I guess this recruiting of of hosts um in, in, and because you're you know you're basically um establishing kind of host networks in different cities right in the, around the country yeah. and how's that uh, what's that like for a host because i'm imagining also it must be quite i'm imagining it must be quite um uh quite interesting from a host perspective to be able to, be able to sort of offer this back out into their place-based or you know into their city as a as a, as a thing i'm guessing it's, it's quite it must be quite an interesting way for people mm. to sort of put you know to be able to sort of um, offer this system if you like back into their place um yeah. and have you have you found i mean where 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 is this actually happening right now where have you got people doing yeah so time? so far um most of our groups i think so we've we've recently started our 11th and 12th groups at the same time um all of those bar two have been in london but we've we've had one group in birmingham and in another in Bristol as well um and yeah I think the that sort of host being local to the local area thing is absolutely essential so uh when we had the Birmingham group um for example and I was working with uh someone called Annika who was hosting that group you know there was there was absolutely no way that I for example could have done what she did there because it felt so important that she have the authenticity of you know being from that area and Mm. wanting to bring that there because she wanted it for herself and she wanted others that she knew to have an experience like that um that felt so important that it wasn't sort of enroll yourself trying to expand into this region and um, looking for participants. Um, And I I think that is a really, that's been a really lovely thing because every host has had quite strong personal reasons and motivations for wanting to get involved and for wanting to um, do the, in some cases, sort of uphill work of um, introducing this idea for the first time in a new place um, with people who, haven't heard of it before yeah Um, yeah and so what what um like who who is coming to enroll yourself and why are they why are they coming like what's what's to give us a sense of like i know again i don't want to like you know not putting people in boxes but just give us a sense of the types of folks that are coming on these are coming on these learning journeys and what and why are they why are they finding that this is what they need yeah. So it's a really diverse mix of people. I would say that first. I think what has happened over time as new hosts have come into our community is that um, who is coming reflects those hosts to um, to a certain amount. Uh-huh. So when, when I was hosting the initial three groups that we ran here in London, um, people to a certain extent reflected me in that you know we were kind of between the ages of 25 to 35 mostly um working in often kind of creative industries or non-profit social enterprise that kind of thing um and yeah as new hosts have joined us um looking a little bit different themselves 
um, the pool of people who have come has diversified a lot. Um, we're now working with people between the ages of 25 and 55, I think. Um, people from all kinds of different professions, all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, I would say that the uniting factor is all about um, the motivation to join. And that tends to be about transition in people's lives. So people tend to be attracted to this idea, I think, when they have a personal transition or a professional transition that they want to make and they either um, know how to make it but they need support to do it or they just don't know how to make that happen and um, also need support. Um, what was so, it? Yeah. Can you give? I mean, can you get without obviously getting into the personals? But can you give us any sort of examples? Or yeah, of course, just, yeah. Just to sort of bring it to life a bit, that'd be great. So, career change is definitely one, but also restructuring your work. So, lots of people have come when they've um, become freelance for the first time, for example. Mm. Um, but people have also come after a bereavement, um, mm. thinking about how they can turn that experience into something positive or how they can move forward um and people have also come after sort of leaving a job or being made redundant um or as we were talking about earlier with a with a, a sort of a sense that there's this curiosity this purpose that they absolutely need to follow um and they need to make space for that in their life um so yeah it take, takes a few different forms but i think if there's one way of summarising it, it's all about transition. And people are effectively, um, and I guess I guess this varies as well with people's context and backgrounds and stuff, but are people sort of fitting and roll yourself into already quite, you know, with, into sort of, you know, other stuff? So they might be working and other things going. Is it, is, it a, is, it enroll yourself, is it able to kind of, you know, are you able to adapt and uh, sort of integrate it into you know a, a schedule if you like um or is it really asking you to commit i mean what's what's the sort of commitment how does it kind of pan out yeah so it so the learning marathon is designed to fit around full-time work mm -hmm. um the way it's designed it it does suit people who um have sort of nine to five type work more um but different hosts i see a real opportunity for them to kind of mold the structure to suit the needs of, of different people so that doesn't have to be fixed the guideline that we give is that it's roughly a five hour per week commitment over six months um so that that fluctuates a bit we we do a whole weekend sort of immersive kickoff at the beginning and so um, there's you know quite a bit of time that you'd spend there for example um, and then everyone's meeting once every two weeks and then finding time to work on their own question um, and then there are a few other intensive moments along the way as well so um, so yeah so we we found that uh, some people manage to fit it in really really effectively alongside full-time work um, other people have found that to be really a challenge I think it I think it depends on you know the amount of commitments and responsibilities that people um have in in their lives but yeah we've we've had flexibility as a as a principle from the beginning yeah and um because I remember I, there was, I read on I think was one some I was digging into some of the um a little bit of the content on the on on your site and there's a someone was talking about the um again about like 
what what's really going on with with this process. And I think it was I was trying to write it down. But it's like we you know we she said we weren't asking questions to create resume virtues. We we're asking questions to better understand who we are, to improve our lives and the lives of those around us, not to improve our potential for career success. And I thought that was really really interesting sort of mm-hmm. way of kind of framing the experience. And and I guess. For me, I, uh, f- very curious anyway about this, obviously just through through my work and my journey and also just seeing where we are right now in the world, like this 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 kind of deeper questioning maybe that is isn't that is more messy and not quite as obvious, you know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily fit into a a path of, you know, professional development or, you know, or, or and, and maybe that, you know, into, into this kind of, into this, I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe this kind of, um, more inquiring, more um, uh, living these questions more in our life. It just, I don't know, there's something that feels yeah. like that, that, you know, the need or, or the, you know, to be able to help more people explore these questions and support them that process. That to me feels really um, what's so interesting about what you're doing. But also when we think about this moment in time, it feels like that is a really... Yeah, intuitively, it feels like that's a that's a space which is it feels like it's gonna you know keep opening up for more and more folks. Is that is that is yeah. there anything in that? I really I really hope so because I think the level of human connection that you can generate by inquiring about those big messy questions together is fundamentally so different than the level of connection you can have if you sort of sit next to someone in Excel spreadsheet class. You know, yeah. Um, I I think those relationships. Um, and growing those relationships is so important for where we are as as people collectively. Um, so yeah, really, I really hope that space is is opening up. Um, it's a really it's a it's it's a challenge for us because you know one of the one of the things that we've actually really struggled with is finding um, funding and things like that along the way. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is because we we don't fit into that vocational box that um, you know a lot a lot of funding pots that we've we've tried to access um, have perhaps um, expected that responses will be much more about sort of skills and things like that. Um, and there's a really big irony to it because I think you develop all kinds of in, integrated human. 21st century really important skills through um that more messy kind of inquiry mm. um but like anything more messy it's harder to measure it's harder to pin down yeah um so yeah i i think that space opening up is so important for us and i'm, I'm really interested in how to play a role in doing that um but i think there's there's a sort of a communication piece in there that um i certainly don't know the answer to um yeah that's the dance isn't it of like having yeah having these kind of um like you say these abilities for people to open up and learn in a different way so again for you know i mean i i um i did this this action uh learning based master's program when i was 34 35 and it it blew my head off because i'd never i didn't Mm. know you could learn in that way um Mm. and that was more just again you know it was more sort of i mean it was obviously the the content it was a sustainability master it was very you know the content and the you know was was sort of set in terms of the some of the ideas that you could you could sort of explore and work with but actually you could go anywhere with it but actually it was more about the um 
the uh, the this 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 um, uh, reflective practice, inquiry-based learning. You know, using exploring, having a question, exploring that through cycles of action and then reflection and a way of thinking about learning that I I'd never been exposed to because it was always just you know. Uh, you know uh, the knowledge intelligence expert at the front of the room and you know off, and and you're just sort of passively trying to suck information in and <laughs> figure out what it might mean versus an opportunity to learn in a way which was much more experimental much more based on opening up mm. um not necessarily having answers to stuff <laughs> um, yeah. all these kind of di- you know sort of and and then you know learning through cycles and then trying to sort of yeah, keep evolving, keep adapting your your question, your inquiry as you go. And that, that for me, I mean, it blew my head off. I mean, it was so fundamental. It changed, I mean, for me, it changed everything. It changed ev- everything, yeah. how I worked. You know, all the things I've ended up doing were sparked through that way of learning. Of learning. Yeah. And, and, and what, what it struck me at the time was also, I was like, you know, ha- having, you know, young children in, in the sort of in the... Um, education system in the uk and the state education system in the uk and and just sort of starting to see also the what they were bump, bumping up against and i was just like oh it just feels like it just feels like nuts that we're not this stuff isn't more accessible it's not more it's not you know happening more in our sort of institutional learning environments you know because <laughs> yeah i mean so you must be you must be, yeah this stuff must be opening up though what you're doing and yeah i'm sensing that that there's i mean i had i don't know but again when i look at this it made me think of also the did you come across the you know like self-organizing learning environments right and the there was like what was the one called was it school in the cloud it was a kid's focus i think but again it was the idea again was like instead of teachers you'd have these sort of and this was focused on children but you know it was the same it's a similar sort of ideas which is you know teacher just becomes actually facilitator of you know children you know and the children have you know they're encouraged to explore a burning question you know um mm. and, and then you had these kind of networks these have like um you know uh people on skype that could be like even grandparents that could become sort of you know children could play their their ideas back to and you'd have this mm. distribu- distributed sort of network of <laughs> wisdom that could sort of but the, these kind of ideas just feel I mean, again, just where where we're at right now with 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 the complexity of what's unfolding on our watch, and this, you know, you talk a lot about lifelong learning. It just feels feels like an area that that needs to just blow up uh, <laughs> to, to help us through this chaos. But. Yeah, and I so we we've just um, recently done a series of sort of in depth interviews with uh, with people who kind of fit our host profile, if you like. So either either people that have expressed interest in hosting the learning marathon somewhere um, or perhaps participants who think they might like to host in the future, that kind of thing. And we've been asking all kinds of questions. One of the questions we've been asking is about the role of facilitation in the 21st century and how people who practice that discipline feel about that. Um, And I think one of the things that really stands out from from all the answers of a pattern is a sense that there's a shift from teaching to facilitation, a shift from a didactic 
approach um, to an approach where we acknowledge the fact that there's so much information freely available online. So the role of the educator is much less about just being a gatekeeper for information. Um, and, and if it's not about that, then then what is it about and what opportunity does that open up? Um, and I think it really opens up the opportunity for people to have much more individual agency and autonomy, which is really exciting. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I think that that sort of teacher to facilitator shift feels really emblematic in a way, really emblematic of bigger shifts that we need to see, want to see yeah in this century yeah i might find it i mean i find it um like it, it i find it sometimes it crushes me watching uh kids my kids other kids um you know wrestle with not being able to follow what is actually interesting to them um in schools you know like this just not, just not really being able to use this amazing time that they have to really go into what is what is kind of alive for them you know yeah and 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 then what that does by it sort of beats you know and again so I guess that's the thing I sort of see you know see this model that you have here with enroll yourself and it's just thinking you know just for me it feels like such a big part of the future of learning <laughs> it's like you know mm. um and 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 I'm always just thinking, you know, how, what what is it? What is it about our systems that means that these amazing things we often discover when we've sort of we've already sort of like you know been through quite a lot of pain? And, um... <laughs> it's something about efficiency. I feel you know, like to me, learning should not be like watching TV, um, but so much of it is. Um, and this is this is kind of a probably like a, a rant that I have done a few Go times. Go rant, come but, on, give us the rant. <laughs> um, but online learning and sort of, uh, you know, courses online, I find this so interesting because it gets put in the innovation box because there's technology involved. But in my opinion, there's very little innovation there because all it's doing is replicating exactly the same format um, of, of teacher student that we've we've had for a really really long time um, and I feel like there's so much more potential in technology to be connecting people in all kinds of different ways you know online and offline so so that learning can um, really evolve and so that some of this stuff that we're talking about can actually you know blow up or become more accessible to different kinds of people or spread or whatever um, and yeah, I think the way I, you know, when people get interested in potentially doing the learning marathon and if they ask me what's going to be challenging or what's going to be hard, one of the things I'll sometimes say is, well, you know, when you're used to being in, being in a class and having a teacher at the front, that's very efficient and it feels um, quite simple to get your head around. You know, you, you point yourself at that teacher um, and when you come into this peer group, you're going to have effectively 11, 11 teachers around you so you're not necessarily going to know at first where to point yourself towards um, and you're going to have to learn to sort of navigate the resources of that group and we're going to support with that because we have experience of doing that now and we know some techniques for making that um, for making that easier um, but you know it, it 
and I, I think I think that's what's really interesting is it's not necessarily the most efficient way um and I, I, I think that's I think that's why we replicate all these modes that are yeah. less interesting, but they're more efficient. Well, that's like um, I, I forget the uh, who's the guy who wrote the um, Utopia for Realists. I can't remember his name, but he um, he talks about this with you know education and health as being like you know they're not systems that should be efficient <laughs> because <laughs> because of, you know they're the, the most important things you know that you that you get personal on you know that you get you really that the that learning and health are highly personalized to that individual and that mm. is the that's the counter of efficiency you know <laughs> like if you want to do really kind of personal um learning programs and um personal health care and stuff then you have to it needs um it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily even the resource thing but it just needs the sort of time and the mm. and a different just a different kind of um sort of approach i guess and a, and a, and a, and, a, and, a, and a, um a sort of willingness not to sort of look necessarily at these a different set of outcomes i guess because because you know that's ex exactly that, and then he argues again. You know, in the sort of highly developed societies, uh, inverted commas, I put those around the developed because never quite knows what that means these days. But um, but actually, you know, the very particularly very wealthy societies, then actually, you know, you want to be um, you want to be spending loads of cash on 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 learning and health. <laughs> you know, you want, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? To to make sure that people are really getting the most out of learning because you know again i'm sure, sure this is a thing but you know i guess you know when, when you when you've mastered the art of because there is a it's a practice right learning to be a lifelong learner is a i think is a you know it's part partly it's a it's learning the practices right and some yes. and some skill sets because we do have again at least in my in my sort of small way of looking at the world i always get a sense that you know we have a, an education thing that says, you know, you, you you know, you stop education when you leave school. If you can afford to go to university, or whatever, then you keep going. But then at the end of university, you sort of stop, and it's kind of like I've done my learning, you know. Then you go out and try and find a job, and realise that as you got absolutely subtle um, experience of any relevance to anything, mm -hmm. and uh, everything's moving so differently, and, and half the stuff they taught you was like pretty useless anyway. You know what I mean? And so, so you you, you know, but then to be a lifelong learner that then then does set you up to, well at least it should and i think it does set you up to be more um resilient resourceful adaptable you know what i mean and able yeah. to able to cope more with the complexities that are, that, are, that are sort of thrown up in our lives and so it sort of feels like yeah it just feels like a space it's a bit of a no-brainer why wouldn't we be wanting to help everyone to become you know lifelong learners yeah because actually the net effect of that is you you know you could see is a, is a more beautiful world right it's just sort of like a yeah I don't, yeah absolutely yeah and i think that it's like the challenge of addressing prevention in health as well mm. you know it, it it's kind of actually having a learning practice i, I think is preventative of all kinds of different problems and negative scenarios which might relate to well-being mental health social isolation um not to mention you know vocation and livelihood and all of that kind of thing as well um but 
it's you know it's really it's really hard to sort of make that upfront investment rather than treating the symptoms yeah um but I, I I just feel like there's such huge there's such huge potential in in lifelong learning and learning in general to really not only sort of help people to learn that's almost the most irrelevant part it's like to provide um social structures and support systems for people particularly in this century you know I think um it feels fairly safe to assume that there are challenging times ahead and lots of change at the very least um that's going to affect people in lots of ways and so um yeah, I feel like learning is is investing in learning is the way to invest in supporting people through the individual changes they're going to have to make that will ladder up to, you know, the bigger collective changes that we either want to make or that are sort of happening and we have to adapt to. Um, yeah, and I think you know your this model that you're building here with the you know the peer the peer group learning you know it's learning as community right which is that's what's also fascinating about this you're sort of you're helping sort of people kind of open up to this idea of learning together versus you know again the sort of maybe the sort of slightly institutionalized idea we've grown up with which is you know learn to get ahead of everyone else you know and, or sort of at least that's the perception you know it's a, it's learning it's learning to sort of yeah it's learning to sort of you know um at least when you get through the school system you know learning is sort of framed as a sort of yeah to sort of help you on the the you know the the, the myth of the progression of life you know mm. uh into that kind of get ahead of everyone else get the best jobs you know yeah. yeah as much i don't know but it but so so learning in community as peers is a peer group is this is there's, you know there's a lot of stuff going on with this model you're developing but that that's a, such an interesting space as well right is yeah definitely i'm really i'm really fascinated about like how how you can reframe the people around you hopefully not in an instrumental way but mm. as sort of more useful and powerful for your development than you perhaps grew up thinking they were. So um, what I mean by that is, you know, we have we have kind of categories of people in our lives, like family and work colleagues and friends. Um, and I think what, you know, what is at the heart of what we've done is that we have brought people together under another category, um, which doesn't have a name, <laughs> which is why it's so hard to describe. Um, but that category is kind of like useful friends or something. Um, it's, you know, where, where you're coming together and it has fundamentally different rules from a friendship group and where you are agreeing together to support one another and be of service to one another. Um, and I think that is kind of how communities operate as well. Um, so I think one of the things you definitely learn by being part of a peer group over a defined amount of time is how to probably go back to a community that you're part of, you know, over the course of your whole life or over a much longer period of time and um, actually participate more or differently or more fully. Yeah. Um, are, are you seeing that with the the groups that you're that are going through the enroll yourself? You, is there a sort of a 
thought well, it's not like a metric, but are you you know is there are you, are you sensing or are you getting any data or any feedback that people are becoming more participative in their nature on the back of what they go through? Yeah, I think of, you know, I think one of the really um, interesting sort of evidences of that is how many participants have off the back of participating have initiated a community of their own um or you know started a community of practice or started a book club or started an event series or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um there tends to be a really participative um thread that runs through um which totally makes sense but was also a really nice surprise as well as that started to to happen more um yeah, and I'm guessing there must be, I'm guessing you must have some folks who are, who come into this process, you know, slightly terrified of the peer thing, obviously wanting to experience it, but obviously maybe quite nervous about it as well. Mm. But then, and I'm guessing that people go on these, yeah, I guess the, the amount of learning that happens, yeah, from the peer group must really kind of... Um, blow people's minds in a really positive way that, that you know that that way of learning because it strikes me like every time I've done something like oh any, anytime I've done something which is sort of peer related I've done a therapy thing I did with my wife and it was a group-based therapy treatment and it was like it felt a bit slightly like challenging when we thought we got there but actually like in respect like in reflections like it was, it was the group that made it what it was you know it's like yeah I know, you know what I mean? It's like the content was great and the experience was great, but actually it was the fact that there were 12 of us and you heard 12 different kind of stories throughout the process, you know, and, yeah. and it was like, you know what I mean? I and so that, that, that became the thing mm-hmm. that was the gold. Um, mm, I, I, I think I like to think of this in a couple of ways. One is like a circle of mirrors. So um, if you come into a, a peer group, it is like you're having your reflection sent back at you from all of these different angles, which mm. is inherently a bit uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> um, unless you're just incredibly satisfied with the way that you look. Um, <laughs> and the other way I like to think about it, there's, um, I think it's a Sufi saying, so I grew up in a Muslim family. Um, and so something about community as being stones that will kind of rub against one another in community and rub off the hard edges um, mm. or the or the corners to kind of polish each other. Uh, and it, and I, I love that because I think, again, it really sums up the idea of actually that doesn't necessarily sound like it's going to be comfortable all the time. Um, there's there's friction involved in that. Um, but actually, you know, there's, there's so much value in that as well. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, and and are you um, are you finding is there are you I mean I guess you know I mean you know like a lot of the some of the threads I'm exploring with this podcast is is often you know the you know this I guess creative responses to like a lot of this planetary issues we're facing and obviously the interconnection of the human issues that are connected to that that we're facing at this moment in time and. Mm. You know, are you sensing that that people are starting, or maybe they are always, but are, are bringing some of that into enroll yourself, or is that is that is that is that sort of 
is that bringing people into this process this kind of uncertainty and yeah yeah definitely I think I think one thing that sort of becoming a theme um is eco-anxiety and this this kind of idea um that actually you know people are bringing more and more questions that connect to uh, climate and and environment, um, but also that that people are bringing big questions about all kinds of different things because because there's this sense of uncertainty, this sense of possibly anxiety. I, I think that's really driving that because um, it makes you feel like you want to be able to do something about it. So um, if you're feeling uncertain, you want to be able to do something about that. You're going to, I think, want to follow some of those big questions more than you would if you didn't have that imperative, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. No, I, yeah. I, that's, yeah, that's super interesting. And I think just listening to you there, it's just making me think again, like, I mean, this is the whole emphasis of this, you know, working with this, you know, even this working with the this spaceship Earth idea of of you know w w w you know we're all crew there are no passengers it's it's the more you um, can uh, you know get involved in your own you know in in how you know how this stuff is unfolding in front of the more you're able to do something about it <laughs> the more you're able even if it's just like learning how to <clears throat> learning how to um, live with the some of the sadness or how to work with some of the grief that you feel or um you know how to unblock yourself when you get down about it or do you know what I mean like even yeah. these and again I think that's that whole way of you know it's it comes back to I guess your 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 thing of this lifelong learning it's like it's, if you're growing if you can grow into and through these uncertain times that creates um it's a it's a beautiful counter to the to the sort of you know the the harder um yeah the sadder more complex stuff to you know that, that you can that you know these kind of anxieties if you're able to be active in in amongst mm. this this um this this uncertainty it certainly it seems to me is that that is you know a really strong it's a really powerful medicine it's an antidote to the you know the what the hell do I do about it? It's well, if you can work with these questions and work with your own, um, mm. you know, uh, feelings, and you're able to then and also listen to others, etc. That feels so strong. Which I, th which I th think even things like you know, you know, it's not dissimilar to things you know when we first connected. We think you know, like things like Good for Nothing, or now you're seeing with Extinction yeah. Rebellion. I mean, they're, they're different forms of thing, but they are active, participative-based ways of. Um, stepping into some of this complexity yeah. and uncertainty, and the more you think about it, you think, well, actually, we were talking about this today. Actually, we were talking about well, I was talking about this recently to a, a, a friend about again going back to kids again, but because I've been doing a lot of work this year with the school strikers, and mm. and you think about curriculum, and you think, well, you know, it's one thing listening to sort of fifteen, sixteen year olds like um, talking about um, these kind of fears they have for the future. Um, and their anger about, you know, what they see as a lack of meaningful action, whatever. But imagine then having to go back into school and, you know, you're back into a learning environment where you're not able to explore these questions you've got or you're not able to find ways to listen. Yeah. To listen, listen to, and you go back to what you're, you're doing and you think, well, this is exactly the kind of stuff that you'd imagine. Like if we could allow our, our young our, our younger generations to be able to work with these questions they've got, mm. um, how different would that be? You know what I mean? Um, would the despair be as high or would it be a different kind of feeling because they're actually 
feeling like they've got agency to think well how do we move beyond this stuff or you know what I mean yeah I do I do and it's, it's come up quite a few times from different people at different times the idea of you know should we do this process adapted a bit no doubt but um with young people or in yeah. schools and I think that's be such a fun cool experiment to do I think it'd be fantastic um and it it, it makes me wonder whether because because I think the other the other thing that really comes from groups in this way like it might bring challenge but it really brings joy and laughter as well and it feels to me like as you know if, if there's sort of rising anxiety or mm. spare that um the only real thing we can do is to kind of bring joy up and laughter up as well yeah. Yeah. you know because we we can't as individuals just kind of click our fingers and solve challenges right. so um we have to counteract that in another way i'm loving the word antidote that you were uh <laughs> i think it's it feels like that um but so, you're right. Yeah, but absolutely right. And that again, that's the thing, isn't it? It's 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 always this thing. It's this dance between the kind of darkness and the lightness, and the kind of, you know, the kind of destruction and the beauty and the joy that's there in life. You know, and it's like you work with work with that. You know, you work. You're able to work with these and and to say create create a uh, a learning environment where where there is where there is joy that exists amongst the, you know, the more challenging stuff. Um, that's that's got to be that's got to be a, a sound way to or at least one one sort of very solid way for us to be you know exploring how do we evolve in in in, in light of all this um but i'd love to i mean the kid, I, I talk about the kids stuff just mainly just because again i think it's just i i just sort of yeah i i've it's a question i've had i've and i've and i've held it probably ever since i became a, a parent it's just like why is there not a different way of learning that's available and accessible to uh you know young children you know particularly in sort of teen years um when right you know that they can start working in these ways why why do we leave it until we're, we're burnt out and struggling and you know we're, we're sort of asking these big questions and I don't, I don't know i know it's not as simple as that but it does puzzle me like why this model that you're building for me it's for me it's like this 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 you know this has to become more accessible earlier on to people um yeah it's it's i think i feel it feels like a gap in my knowledge in a way like Mm. what is the extent of alternative education for young people like how alternative can it get yeah um yeah well totally i know the answer well i know and it's and i I don't either again i just sort of look at the sort of i look at what's evolving and i think kind of like you know we have these we only really have two more. You have a private education or state education. There's nothing in between, mm. and and then you and you've got this kind of centralised kind of curriculum idea in the state system, um, and then you've got sort of you know a sort of handful of sort of alternative, you know, sort of schools like Steiner and a few other kind of things. But but it feels like in the next sort of five to ten years, I can't I cannot see how the education system will cope if it doesn't start having some more experimental um approaches within the system right because mm-hmm. even things like you've talked about you know even things like assets you know like buildings you know investing in school buildings and it's just madness do you know what i mean and more of these mm-hmm. places that need energy and resources and like uh, mm-hmm. require like kids to travel by cars at the same time of dirt you know what i mean all these things that make learning 
again feel like a destination and a sort of uh you know, mm-hmm. metaphorically as well as the well as the place where you have to you know you only learn over there in that building <laughs> and like, you know and every school must have one of those buildings and you know we can't afford it just it just feels like this yeah how, how is education and learning going to open up in ways that allow um people from different backgrounds to start you know being able to access these really powerful learning processes you know of which you're you're pioneering within enroll yourself and and there are other you know there are other models out there but effectively that idea of inquiry-based learning you know having questions and having this kind of peer support that to me feels like yeah really 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 big big thing how how's that going to sort of unfold um anyway sorry i just sort of threw that in there but it was just as as you're talking it's just making me think a lot about about you know um yeah, why, why, why these these things aren't happening earlier in our lives? I think I was, well, I was inspired to see um, an example really recently. Actually, I think it's called Prender, um, and it might be a US thing, I guess. Um, but the idea there was a sort of like a network of micro schools, so through homeschooling, uh, yeah. um, and uh, you know, I was kind of interested in terms of the model and. Um, the framing like could you think of what we're doing as as a network of micro schools as well um but I you know that's something about that really captured my imagination the idea that you know maybe if if the if the school system just fails to adapt as other things are um changing faster than they can um than they can change that this network of sort of do-it-yourself um, schooling might arise out of the ashes of that. Um, yeah. Well, I think that it is. Into, there are, you know, there are some other, um, there are some other models that are um, popping up. So actually, I did a episode twenty on of this um, interview with uh, a um, woman called Melissa Kendall, and she's been developing this new kind of school quite near me out in near, near Bath um, and it's called Lumiar and it's uh, it's a model from Brazil um, which is a kind again it's a sort of um, uh, um, it's it's a model where they don't have um, you know the, the 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 they don't have like expert teachers um, they bring in um, experts from outside the school who run self um, who run sort of time-bound projects um, the the children have a I can't remember what the teacher's called, but it's, it's more a, a, a sort of constant teacher who's more there for their their well-being to sort of understand them and their needs. Um, and it's run through, um, you know, they're, they're literally sort of building this kind of uh, web-based tools. And But actually then, again, the local place sort of opens up its learning network to bring people in who have sort of, you know, they could be artists or, you know, they could be running a restaurant or whatever it is, again, the kids are exploring. Um and 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 so there are these things that are starting to sort of come up where you know again they're sort of tapping into to these kind of ideas um so I, my sense is it will it will open up this this um mm-hmm. this you know you, you know i think i think that it, we, we, I, you can see like anything right these these kind of institutionalized systems they just they're just not going to keep they just can't cope right they're not going to last in their current form they're going to have to be more um yeah more kind of um innovations and experiments that are sort of bringing in different ways of of network-based learning i think but um 
Su- mm. Super interesting. So, t- so give us just a sense of like where where are you heading? What's what's how do people like what's what's currently enroll yourself looking like for twenty twenty? What are the plans? How yeah. can people get involved either as, you know, if they're thinking about, you know, coming on, you know, enrolling on a learning marathon or, or the has the host program. Just give us a sense of what's coming and, yeah. and what, what, what we're where, and also where you need help. That'd be good to know as well. Mm. So I think the the bigger picture of all of this is that um, I'm really interested and we're really interested in um, supporting hosts. So these people. Um, around the world um, in the UK but also in other parts of the world who um, have facilitation skills and who who have ideas that they want to connect people around and learning journeys that they want to take people on um, and I think a lot of these ideas face the same barriers um, to getting off the ground and I, th- I think that's where we can play a role so at the moment we have the learning marathon and that's you know a tried and tested structure and we want people to use that um, but there are lots of variations on that um, for different people with different needs and we're really interested to begin um, exploring exploring that as well so the bigger picture is that yeah we we want to sort of evolve as, as a platform for hosts who want to grow um, local grassroots learning journeys where they are hmm. um, and for 2020 um, we, sort of, we are still figuring figuring it all out but we will be doing another round of host training hopefully um, in spring so that will be an opportunity um, for people to come and learn about how to host and get access to um, our resources and our community and so on to support support those people to get get things off the ground um, so, so effective your 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 sort of you know that whole offer then is more about you being able to build this kind of this kind of infrastructure system support to um support hosts all over the world who effectively then can um go out and recruit um a group to go on a peer learning and roll yourself journey around potentially a kind of theme or or connected to something that that host has some kind of depth or of of, of knowledge or interest or within that that's the kind of idea and you can help sort of drive that, is that exactly system. It. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Exactly. Um, I love and that. So, yeah, we'll be looking for new hosts next year, and then at some stage after that, they will be looking for new learners as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's one major strand of what we'll be doing. And then I also hope that we'll continue to work on interesting projects with organisations too. So, for example, this year. We worked with Friends of the Earth to design and pilot a women's peer support network to help small groups of women take climate action through their personal finance. So, you know, supporting each other to move their pension or their bank account or lobby their employer or something like that. Um, So cool. How did that come about then? So, so it started um, at Friends of the Earth and they, they had some insights around and um, women are more predisposed to want to sort of do good with their money, but they feel much more intimidated and unserved by um, personal finance and those systems. 
Um, so they saw an opportunity and then I was connected to them because they, you know, they, they had this idea that they wanted it to be about peer support. And so that's how, um, our name came up. Um, yeah. And it was cool because we were able to really essentially transplant our model, but into this new project. So it works similarly with with hosts who initiate small groups. They're much lighter commitments. Um, there are three sessions that people sign up to with the, with their host. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was really cool to use all the same principles in a different setting. Um, and did you see? Um like what uh, so particularly for that for that subject area or that content and that um you know it was women climate action through through like basically like almost just re reorganizing kind of your finances and the things that you're supporting is that it kind of that was the idea like how do you actually just become more activist through having more intentional about how you yeah use your money and yeah what you, and what you support through the systems that we fund and that kind of stuff yeah like spreading initially sort of spreading understanding that actually um you know if you if you have a pension that might well be invested in fossil fuels probably is um, yeah. so spreading that understanding to begin with and then using peer accountability and support to actually help people to take action because i think doing something like changing your you know who you bank with yeah seem like an overwhelmingly boring challenge <laughs> yeah um but actually by you know like having dinner with a group of other women who who would like to take a similar action and sort of actually having the space to moan about how boring it is and and then help each other um through that process is is quite powerful yeah but there's something really interesting this about this though isn't there because you can start to see yeah, again, sometimes, isn't it? It's like I'm imagining just just a handful of sessions and then you're sort of, again, you're helping people create confidence that they have the ability to do things and then sharing stories, encouragement, and then it, it's almost just, again, you're just, it's just it's starting a fire almost, isn't it? <laughs> in, in, in That people have ability to do, to sort of do way more than they think they can. Yeah. Um, um, so that's interesting. So you can so you can sort of offer this up into other organisations or or um, other kind of networks that are trying to sort of facilitate change. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, really, really interested to sort of um, be part of other projects next year and that kind of thing as well. If if we can be of service with the experience that we now have with the learning marathon. Yeah. And will you carry on um, with your own uh, these yeah these these learning marathon um, offers as well? Then will that is it, so it's kind of is, will that continue as that will of... continue? Yeah, 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 that will continue. And I think with the modification that um, you know we we think there's a real opportunity to actually support people to start to um, modify that process to work for their needs. So an example of that would be. I was having a chat with someone the other day who's based in Devon, who's a mum, who would be really interested in, in hosting the learning marathon, but thinks that that process needs to look a little differently if it's going to work for a group of, of mums working together. Um, and yeah, I think I'm really interested in how to start supporting those um, different versions as well as just the core version that we originally developed. 
Right. Amazing. So if folks want to, so basically, how does it work now that are you, can people reach out about all these things or how do, how do folks, you know, do you, is it sort of, are you open to more incoming yeah. and all this stuff? And Yeah, yeah. Um, open to anyone getting in touch about any of this and right. um, in terms of sort of opportunity to host, we will share more information very soon, probably first thing in the new year. So, um, you know, welcome people getting in touch with me directly, but also we have a mailing list that you can sign up to on our website and social media and all of that. And um, that's how to sort of stay up to date and in touch with what we're doing. Nice, and I like, and I, it's, it's been great actually just, just listening how how this experiment now is starting to, you know, you've got these different models now that you're starting to build and it, but the, this 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 thought that you've got or this expression you have of gr grow yourself together it it really does it really does kind of connect all of these pieces right mm. um and i think it's um i think it's really exciting what you're doing i think it's i think it's so interesting and i um i um yeah i hope it all really keeps keeps um rolling out for you because it's i think it's yeah, it feels like um yeah more 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 of us uh, more and more folks could um could benefit so much from from realizing that there are there is this different way of doing things as well right because mm. i think at least my understanding is that many people just feel there is nothing there is no do you know what i mean i i, I mean i know conversations I have with people that go well i've looked at this you know they just feel stuck almost um yeah and um i'm imagining that this process is is quite can be quite yeah can can be great for sort of unsticking i imagine it's quite liberating as well yeah yeah i think so i i also think there's a there's a gap in the market. If, if there's if there's anyone who listens to this who's looking for a for a business idea, I feel like there's a huge gap in a tool of some kind that would help people actually connect to alternative learning experiences. You know, it's so easy to sort of search and find masters courses and and all of that, but um, it's really really hard for small alternative learning providers who are doing incredible transformative stuff to actually connect to the people who want to do that stuff yeah um so yeah it'd be great if someone could just make that tool happen <laughs> um zara let's, thank you so much for um for this conversation um it's been super interesting um and um really intrigued to see how enroll yourself uh continues on its journey next year and beyond um and um yeah we'll we'll keep in touch because i'm really 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 keen to see uh see where we go but we'll 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 spread the word i shall put all the links to all of uh all of this into the show notes and um and folks can uh can find you but um yeah good luck with it all thanks so much yeah thanks for the opportunity to to talk about it it's always so useful to have the chance to just have a free-ranging conversation <laughs> yeah, about exactly that you think about a lot you know so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Zara from Enroll Yourself. And yeah, go check it out. Go check out Enroll Yourself. Maybe even Enroll Yourself. Start 2020, um, yeah, with a, uh, with, a, with a big learning marathon. Um, sounds like, to me, this is the stuff. Imagine, imagine <clears throat> if learning became the new consumerism. 
And instead of going out and um, sort of, uh, instead of sitting at home and just scrolling mindless shite on Instagram and going, oh, I really want one of those. And we want one of those. You went, oh, what's the question? What, what question am I really holding right now? What is it about the world that I'm really curious about? And then you went on a six month learning marathon instead of buying loads of shite you didn't need. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Is that possible? Who knows? Who knows what is possible? Anything is possible. That would be a more beautiful world. No doubt about it. Anyway, thank you for listening. It means a lot. Um, <clears throat> this is the last episode of uh, 2019 or the first episode of 2020, uh, if I manage to get it out, depending on when I get it out. Um, I'm hoping 2020 is going to be uh, a rocking year for everyone and uh, lots of plans for the Spaceship Earth. Um, I think we might have a little bit of help coming with this podcast, which would be great. Um, I'd love to get this flowing more regularly. Um, but yeah, really a little bit stuffed uh, doing this on my Todd. But yeah, if you like what you hear, please do share it um, or give us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps this thing travel. So it'll take literally a minute um, or less. Um 30 seconds but it'll be super super appreciated uh so do that and if you've got any questions um please reach out you can get me at dan at the spaceship dot earth uh or you can get me on instagram and and all that stuff if you want to know more about what's going on in the world of the spaceship earth you can sign up to my newsletter which should be going out probably once a month to be honest <laughs> but there's stuff going on there um and yes um thank you look after yourself um go carefully in this month of january uh that's upon us um it's always a, a tricky month um uh get outside as much as possible would be my personal recommendation um try and uh, throw a few minutes um yeah in in the natural world as regular as possible that's for me is always the medicine that helps january become a really quite interesting month um but thank you for listening uh remember folks there are no passengers on spaceship earth we're all crew until next time peace and out <laughs> <laughs>